thanks to our title sponsor, National University. National University is committed to supporting veterans, active duty personnel, and military families through flexible online courses and master's and doctoral programs in high-demand fields, providing excellent career advancement opportunity. National University is a yellow ribbon school that proudly accepts the post-9-11 GI Bill and goes the extra mile by offering additional assistance to cover expenses that may not be covered by the GI Bill. To learn more, visit nu.edu forward slash veteran. Hello, everyone. This is Vincent Aiello from the Fighter Pilot Podcast, and I want to provide an end-of-year summary slash year outlook for 2019. And here to help me do that is a friend who has a podcast of his own and has been my mentor along the path. So who better to help have this discussion than Mr. Rob Kibbe? Rob, welcome to the show. Hello, Vincent. Long-time listener, first-time caller. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, have well, I, think, I have sent in emails, I think, though. You have. I think I called you. Anyway, <laughs> how are you? I am doing really, really well. Uh, this is year end. This is, as we record this, I guess, just a few days before Christmas. Man, this is the slammedest time of year I get because on the podcast network I run, we, we do all of our sponsor contracts basically by the year, and Ooh. they all have to go in at the end of this year. And it's a... It is a turmoiled event. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Never mind the actual holidays and the shopping and everything else. Well, yeah. I appreciate you taking the time. So on that note, let's start with you. So remind us where you and I met, if you would. Oh, absolutely. So I own a business called The Muscle Car Place, and that is, like yourself, one of the businesses I am a part of, uh, but it is by far uh, my most favorite. I love classic cars. And uh, I'm a mechanical engineer by education, but I always wanted to start my own business. And and the one I gravitated to was an online space where I host podcast shows about cars. So it's modern day car talk radio, but for the interwebs. And for several years, I've, I've done a number and I still do a number, but the main show is called The Muscle Car Place. And that is where a nice young fighter pilot sent me a note and said, hey, I also <laughs> like cars and I also fly super cool jets. And you, you did it in a much more nonchalant way than that. <laughs> but but it was really neat for me as, as someone who grew up also, uh, that was a, a career aspiration I once had as well, to even be contacted by you just to chat about things uh, like life, family, and, and the cool things you're doing. And we struck up this friendship. But... I have been and still am an automotive podcaster pumping out 15 to 20 shows a month uh, uh, wow. across different channels and um, and whatever requirements that we have at the time. That's what we do. Yes. Well, so this was, I want to say, 2010 or 11. I was consuming podcasts at the time as I rode my bicycle to work, one of the perks of living in San Diego. Hmm. And I don't know what compelled me to write you, but as... I've since learned people, when they listen to you, feel like they know you, and it's almost an intimate connection podcasting. And so at one point, I just thought, well, I'll write him and let him know that I have these old muscle cars and I've always liked them. And yes, you wrote me back and you ended up having me on your show. Thank you very much. A few times now, I think. At least twice, maybe three. At least twice. And then I think a third was you featured my retirement ceremony and some of the speech. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then in my last job in the Navy as a depot pilot, as I've mentioned before, sometimes the aircraft that were repaired and needed to go back to the squadrons would need to go from the West Coast to the East Coast, and we couldn't make it all in one flight, so we'd have to stop in different places. And they encouraged us to stop and see family and friends, so I want to say I stopped in Iowa twice and saw you and the family, did I not? You did. Uh, my kids still talk about it. My dad uh, did not fly in the Navy, but he was in the Navy, so I took him too. And frankly, I wanted to go show off that I knew you, uh, so <laughs> it went great. Uh, <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it. See, this is the real reason you're on the show, Rob. I'm just mm-hmm. looking for an ego stroke here. <laughs> no, no. Well, not really, but it was anyway. a good time. We went out, got yep. some chow, and I, I think, uh, oh, no, we didn't really go out because uh, you were no. still, you were still on the job. But uh, that uh, we can still do that later. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, there will be time for that. And then you actually attended my retirement ceremony at the end of December 2016. Yeah, and that was great to have you out. No, that was a that was a really neat thing. It was a it was really neat to be invited. Uh, I don't know that we'll ever see anything like that again. You're the only Navy flyer we know, <laughs> so 
But to go see something of of that oh patriotic level of magnitude, it, it was uh, I was still I was blown away by it. And uh, we we made a, a little vacation out of it as well. Uh, we went to mm-hmm. the Top Gun Sleazy Bar, I think, that day as well, yep. just to say that we did it. Kansas um, City Barbecue downtown. That's oh, right. yeah, we did that. And then uh, the next day, on January 1st, we went to Warner Brothers and took a set tour, and I got to see the set of the Dukes of Hazard. So ah, another win You there. being a car aficionado, I'm sure that was Nirvana. It was great. Totally great. <laughs> <laughs> well, somewhere along the way, Rob, I don't know if it was your idea or wherever it began germinating, but somehow I began thinking about a podcast for military aviation. And when I mentioned it to you, I remember you wholeheartedly encouraging me to do it. And I remember also learning that while I was in the Navy, I would not be able to do it without screening it through the Navy, including each individual episode. Hmm. And so that was put on hold until my retirement, which you came out for. And then that whole year, I remember you helping me and providing advice and guidance. But then I was hired by an airline and had to go do that training. And lo and behold, it finally launched just about a year ago. And I really credit you. You've been an encouragement, a resource, and all my dumb questions about how on earth does a person podcast, you've answered. So publicly, thank you. You are very welcome. It, it's my pleasure. Um, I too, I don't really recall our first discussion on this, but I remember being all for it for a number of reasons. Number one, I, I just, as a consumer of, of good content, I want to hear it. And uh, knowing you well enough, and now with, with Sunshine as well, uh, you're just a good storyteller in speech. So, so I, knew, I, I knew you had the chops to do it. And it probably, as I conveyed to you along the way, that, yeah, there's the technical component of equipment, but there's also the show planning, the production. It mm-hmm. can be a grind. And, it is, yeah. And uh, especially when you're on a release schedule and, and you kind of have to be on a release schedule to have a regularly consumed show. And it gets different the more sponsors or patrons you have and expectations change. But you knew all that going in. And it, it'll be interesting to me to see what your impression has been of that, good, bad, or indifferent, as we continue our discussion here. But yeah, I, I really did want you to do it selfishly because I wanted to hear the shows, uh, but, <laughs> al- but also because there's a lot of guys like me. There's a lot of girls like me. Uh, they, they, they want to hear this stuff, and um, I'm betting it's made a big impact on a lot of people. Well, it has, and certainly it would be fun to digest some of this, but as the process unfolded, I realized that there were two main target audiences out there. One was the young man or woman, as you said a moment ago, who aspires to be this someday, and the other is, and I've heard from plenty of both categories here, but the other are people, frankly, like you, Rob, they wanted to do it, in some cases came close to doing it. And something got in the way, whether it was a life event or their eyes weren't good enough or something with their health. And I'm glad I'm able to share this with them because the more I hear from people who are just one step away, the more I feel how blessed I was in order to be able to do it. Because not only did I have the education, I suppose, or the the aptitude, Uh but I had the health effectively or the, the physiological you know, needs. And then frankly, I had the luck because one thing I tell young people is you might be number one in your class and have everything else you need. But if they just don't need fighter guys that week, guess what? You might go fly something else. So I really do feel more and more blessed. And this podcast has been a really fun way of sharing it with other people. And I hope it's not me gloating about it, but just a way to say, you know what? Yeah, you, folks, you, you really did miss it. It's really this fun. And here, let me tell you all about it on a deeper and more intimate level. Okay, that answer right there, that's why I wanted you to do it, because you're the coolest fighter. Like, <laughs> yep, you're right. It's totally awesome. You're going to dig it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and you're not, a, you're, you're frankly not a blowhard. Uh, you're, you're, you're the cool guy people want to know <laughs> about how well, awesome it really was. And then it is a spine tingler every time you say just what you said, you know, there is a little bit of luck also as well that you just have zero control over. That week, That's right. there was room for fighter guys, and I got one slot. Next week, right. there might not be. So, would Rob, tell us, hold on, before we go on, tell us, if you would, your story. You were almost a military pilot. Is that true? Uh, well, yeah. Um, so here's the, the 
two-minute summary, let's say. So okay. uh, w- when I went to college, I, I studied mechanical engineering. My f- that was the only major I wanted to pursue, but I didn't necessarily want to become a, a design engineer as a profession. Frankly, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew that that, okay. that was what I wanted to study. And right towards the end of college, I just said, you know what? I think I'd like to do something a little more meaningful with my career path. I had been going to the EAA Oshkosh Air Show since I was 10 years old every summer <laughs> with my dad. I've, I've never been to one, so one of these days, but anyway. I still go. Uh, take my kids now. But I, I went to those shows with him, not because I had a love or even interest in aviation at the beginning, but because I just wanted to go on a trip with my dad. And I did not. Cool. I would have done whatever that was. We could have gone to a dump truck convention. And I would have gone. <laughs> uh, but but uh, I really got into it, and I got to like it. And I wanted to learn more about it. And I thought, you know, what would be great is to serve my country, use some of my education and my interest, and try to go fly. So uh, my last few months of college, I contacted both the Navy and the Air Force, learned the procedures. I took both qualification tests, learned that you had to go to officer candidate school. And in the case of the Air Force, sent in all my application. That was the one that I chose. And uh, they said, okay, you're in. You can come to OCS, but you don't have a pilot's license, so you can be an NFO. Would you like to do that? And I talked to a couple people, and if if I had known you, I would have just asked you, but I did not know you then because podcast didn't mm-hmm. exist. <laughs> okay. but, but I talked to a couple people, uh, including uh, the person I was working with there in the Air Force, and I said, I don't really want to sit in the back. I really want to fly. Should I just go get a pilot's license and reapply? Will it, Will that penalize me in any way. And they said, you know, I, I can't imagine why. That's a great idea. Go do that. So as huh. soon as I got out of college, I took the first job that came my way to fund my own private pilot's license. And then the realities of financing your own education without paying attention to your student loans caught up to me. And <laughs> I was broke, Vincent. So I, uh, okay. I, I did finally get my pilot's license on my own dime. But by the time I did so, I was 27, 28 years old. It was too late. Uh, so I, I did not pursue forward with that, but mm. I, I have certainly made peace with that. But it's interesting to kind of relive the the dream of what what it might have been like had I done something like that, and that's what your podcast gives me. What could have been? Well, again, that is, I would say, somewhat symbolic of some of the other stories I've heard from people. Life gets in the way. I'm surprised, though. I, I don't want to make you have what if feelings, but I've never heard that before. I thought, in fact, we've had episodes on this show about not needing or needing pilot experience before, and at least that was Navy and Marine Corps, so I don't know, Air Force might be different. I had a fellow who was going to give us an equivalent episode on Air Force Flight School, but he up and deployed on me, gosh darn him, so I'm waiting for him to get back. (laughs) He's an F-16 guy, but I'm glad to hear you're at peace with that because you only have your one Rob Kibbe journey in life, and you don't know what could have been. You might not have met Laura and had the great kids that you have, and you might not have done something else that you've done or not done what you could have done. I don't know. I'm getting in a circle here with my own self, but I'm glad you're at peace with it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I'm glad, frankly, also, I can help still scratch that itch a little bit. Yeah. I, I will tell you, for the first couple of years, I, I did. it was a sore spot just for me personally because I, I didn't complete something I really wanted to start. Uh, and there was also a little uh, non-service guilt in there, I suppose. But from a totally different perspective, I came to Christian faith years after that. Uh, and I don't know oh, wow. if that would have happened had I gone a different route. Uh, not that that's not in the military, but you just never know who you're going to meet. So <laughs> that's, right. that's right. Well, well, it is what it is, I guess. It's a little cliche to say, but getting back to the point, when you and I discussed this idea for the Fighter Pilot Podcast, you really became what they call the avatar the 30 to 50-year-old male who wishes at one point he would have done this. And you have been, in that regard, my actual very bullseye of the target audience. Not to say I don't invite other people to listen, and certainly they can, but the person like you who wanted to and something else happened, or the person like you but 20 years younger who's still aspiring to it, that's who the show is for. Cool. Well, I'm glad I'm here to help. That's my service. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Well, that and you keep me thinking about cars. Well, so that's fun. Mm -hmm. I can do that too. So what what do you want to discuss here? Do you want to do a a little year-end review of your own show? Yeah, if you're willing. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here you are. You are, you're a solid year in at this point. Is that about right? Correct. 
how many episodes have you put out? Just about 40, but by number 34, because every time I took a break and had what I would call an intermission or a bonus, I didn't give it a number. So we have 34 numbered episodes by the time the listener hears this with the home front coming out right before Christmas and then about another six intermission or bonus episodes. Okay. And is the average length of an episode an hour, hour and change, something like that? An hour is the target. I think the call signs episode number two, which is when I still barely knew what I was doing, ended up in the 35 minute range. And I think the one with Mongo or maybe air intercept communications ended up about an hour and 20, but I target an hour and I don't know, maybe I hold myself to that a little too rigidly. Some people have said more, 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 but I know other people, you lose interest after an hour. They say in instructional settings, you should never teach for more than an hour without giving students a break. So an hour just seemed like a natural target. And that's pretty good. And I've gone to different conventions and done a lot of literature on this on kind of what the target number is. Frankly, it's a moving target. My shows are radio-like, so they do still kind of have a bit of a radio clock or flavor to them. All right. But if you're just doing story format, honestly, there's some that are out there that are two and a half right. <laughs> hours. Uh, but, but the reason I ask that is because let's just say you do put out a one-hour episode. Uh-huh. Start to finish, how many hours do you have in each one-hour delivered episode? Oh, boy. And I yeah. ask this because I, a lot of listeners may be surprised that it's not an hour. Oh, gosh, No. <laughs> Who knows how much time I spend thinking about what the topic would be and then finding the guest. And then in some cases, it's as easy as riding my bicycle over to the Coronado Library and meeting a friend. And in other cases, I flew all the way to Boston, rented a car and drove up to South New Hampshire for an episode that is coming up. And so then there's the thinking about what questions I'm going to ask and then the hour and a half spent interviewing and then probably three or four hours editing and then doing the fill with sunshine. I would say maybe 10 hours and I don't know, I might be underestimating, but it's almost become a second full-time job, especially doing three of these a month. I don't know how you do however many you said you did earlier, Rob, I lost track already, but I would say maybe 10 hours. Does that sound about right from your experience? It sure can, especially when you're doing every single component uh, yourself. Uh, Which I am. That is where it adds up. And when I, for the first few years, I, I too was just completely doing every single component because I didn't know any other way to do it. And then slowly but surely, through the show, I, I met the resources in a producer and a writer that I needed, that I trusted, that could not only help me cut the time but make it better, uh, that allowed me to scale and do a little bit more without giving up quality control of of the show that was out there. Rob, can I ask you very briefly, when did that help find its way to you? Was it within the first year or well after the second or third? Because I wonder if I should have found that myself by now, but I haven't. It found me as soon as I asked for it. That was the, Uh, that was the holdup. And I, I, I just didn't know to ask for it until about three years in. Oh, gosh. Okay. So 10 hours per episode, you've got over 30 under your belt. Now, why did you launch this show? <laughs> now, well, now that you know all of that, yeah, why did okay. you launch this show? It really comes down to what I put in the about section on our website. And that is all through my career, I always met people not so much around the base where we lived because people around the base are pretty familiar. In fact, they're getting tired of the noise, frankly. But if I went home and saw family or if I was visiting friends, let's say I came to your house, there are people out there who are just fascinated with military aviation. They think it's the most amazing and coolest thing ever. And if I may so say, I would believe you're one of them. And so I always enjoyed sharing that with people and not because it stroked an ego. Although maybe if you really did lay me out on the couch, maybe, I don't know who doesn't like to feel like what they're doing is beloved by other people. Right. But I just enjoyed sharing it because I try to be a giving person and I knew I was lucky enough to do it. And not everybody was that I should share it. And then the second reason was that I knew I couldn't just spend 25 years of my life plus the five or however many years leading up to it, preparation in college and everything else, and just walk away cold turkey. Mm -hmm. You know, sure, I'll have a bunch of 
great pictures on my wall from the different squadrons when you leave. Everybody signs them and the plaques and all the awards and everything else. But I, that's not enough. I wanted to stay involved, even if it wasn't my full-time gig. So as we talked about earlier, somewhere along the way, I realized, you know, there's a lot of TV shows and YouTube channels and all kinds of things about military aviation. Nobody's doing a podcast. And because I'd had a positive experience with you on your show, thank you, I thought maybe this is something I could do. And I was finishing up a master's degree at the time, but after that was over, I jumped right into it before, as we said earlier, I realized I would need permission from the Navy and that slowed me down. So I really started it for those two reasons. And I don't think those reasons have changed. I think those are still good reasons to keep the podcast going. Was there a business reason in there or was it purely altruistic? I want to, I want to stay involved. I want to help the masses and, and share the stories and, and answer the questions that I always get asked anyway. What, was there any, anything above and beyond it? Well, I suppose that starts to broach on the subject of money, which I tried at the beginning of the show a year ago, very hard not to mention at all for the first, I don't know, 10 episodes. Mm -hmm. And I guess it comes down to this. I enjoyed doing it, but at some point, the amount of effort makes it that it would be nice to get something in return. And by the grace of over 100 patrons on Patreon, I have that now. I have support and assistance by people who appreciate what I'm doing and are willing to pay for it, even though they don't have to. And so I still will do it, even though if they all dry up and go away. But it certainly helps to have a little financial support because there are costs for microphones and digital storage and rental cars to drive from Boston to South New Hampshire. So I'm glad to have that. But I never thought it would be a get-rich-quick scheme, mm -hmm. and certainly that wasn't mm -hmm. my motivation to get in. But that being said, if it ever opened doors that led to financial improvement or success, I certainly wasn't going to shun it like a monk as far as, <laughs> no, I absolutely cannot make any money for this. But it's not why I'm doing it. And I've always found this balance, a lot like talking about race and gender and a few other things on the show, to be a little bit challenging only because society seems to make them challenging. Same with religion and a few other things. So I've always tried to tread lightly on that. But I am glad to have the financial support. But I didn't start it for the money, if that was delicate enough, I guess. Here's the interesting thing about the podcast format. And the only way you get to know if this will work out is if you do exactly what you're doing, which is put out quite a bit of content for a decent amount of time. Sometimes just new opportunities that never could have found you any other way can now find you. Frankly, I, I know you are uh, you have a full time airline career as well, mm -hmm. and I, I know you have some other uh, business endeavors uh, on your own. the The full time profession of Vincent as a uh, consultant to organizations for efficiency, motivation. I mean, it's all there. I mean, it's laid out for you if you want it. <laughs> Well, uh, it, it depends if you want to do that. Uh, you could also be a spokesman for um, oh, what's that? What's the link of that company that makes the uh, the joystick controllers for flight? Thrustmaster. Yeah, you're, the, you're you should be the face of those guys. <laughs> I haven't reached out to them yet, but I kind of hoped my few name drops on the episode of DCS would help. But mm -hmm. yeah, maybe I appreciate that. The one thing is, I like to have credibility in anything I'm doing. And so I don't want to just represent somebody, especially if I don't believe in them or any product or service they provide. And also, I don't know about you, Rob, I guess I have this mistaken belief that I have to have it completely together before I can advise or counsel or motivate anyone else. And I know that's false, but I still suffer this sometimes doubt of, gosh, you know, I'm not as good of a husband as I could be or a father or a son or brother or whatever. And so how could I possibly advise other people? And, and let's not go off on too big a tangent because I know that's incorrect and there are other things I can offer. But sometimes I just wonder if they would really want it for me because I see a side of me that nobody else sees, the flaws, the blemishes, the glitches, all the different things. And I just have to get over myself in that regard. And, and I'm working towards that, I think. So I appreciate the encouragement on those ideas. Well, here's something I can tell you. And I don't know if the reasons that uh, you started it have changed now that you're going forward. But the components of, of your experience at Top Gun that you have shared in your shows specifically the non-flying components, are, are pretty intense. 
uh, you're, you're talking about a murder board process where you give a full three hour presentation with no notes right. uh, on everything you're planning to. That's the type of skills that I've worked in corporate settings and, uh, and mom and pop settings. I tell you, that's missing from most of them. And that would be well received by them if they just had somebody to give them the training wheels to do it. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because I take it for granted, but I forget the process I went through, appropriately named the murder board process. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's some merit to that, Rob. And maybe one way I could test that thesis is to throw some stuff out on my website and allow our listeners to consume it and see if it helps them and maybe continue to develop it. And, And to that point, when you asked about the reasons to do it and the reasons to continue doing it, certainly through the help of some team members who have come on board, which I'd like to at some point in our discussion talk about, there have been new opportunities that I've not, I would not have considered previously that have come along that keep me going. For example, the entire DCS community, there are many people and they are enthusiastic about it. And so there's a whole world there who craves accurate information that I never knew about before. I didn't even know DCS existed. So I think there are definitely reasons in addition to the reasons it started to keep this going. And I anticipate doing that and hopefully people will continue to consume and enjoy it. Okay. What have you learned then? So over the whole course of the year, whether it's the people you're talking to or the difficulty of sometimes choosing a topic to talk about, (laughs) what have you learned? (laughs) Rob, I have learned so much that I can't even almost put a finger on it. And I would say that anyone who enjoys lifelong learning, and I've always said that fighter pilots are lifelong learners, anyone who reads or takes classes at the local junior college or uh, advanced degrees, Mm -hmm. I would say, do yourself a favor and start a podcast or a blog or stick your neck out because it is a whole different kind of learning, as you well know, Rob. I had to, with your help, thank you, I had to learn just even technical things like how GarageBand works and iMovie. I'm a Mac guy, so those are the things I use. Mm -hmm. I'd never had, I'd heard of Instagram and Twitter. I never had them. I knew about YouTube. I'd watched some videos. I never had my own channel. I never had Patreon. I have had to learn all those things. And in doing so, you learn about yourself, which is probably the biggest benefit of this because you find out what gives you energy and what takes energy. And the idea, of course, is to do the things that give you energy and to avoid the things that take it away. And I've learned that there are certain things that come easy to me and certain things that don't. And I knew that from flight school anyway, but I was reminded of it. And I just had to learn about being a podcast host also. It's one thing to talk to someone. It's something else to have an idea of what you want a discussion to cover. Because I don't just say, hey, today I'm talking about Rob Gibby. Hey, Rob, welcome to the show. Talk about anything you want. When I welcome you or someone like you to the show, it's because I want to talk about, let's say, aerial refueling. So if you go off on a tangent on something else that is important to Rob Kibbe, well, then I got to bring you back. And I think I've learned, maybe not as well as I'd like to, different tactics for that, different ways to interject if someone's long-winded, to ask pointed questions. I'd like to be better than I am now. I have a newfound respect for people like Larry King, but just to keep a conversation going, to ask pointed questions, especially when it's someone high ranking that you have tremendous respect for, like the three-star admiral, the air boss. Mm -hmm. That has all been a very steep learning curve. And that being said, I wish I could learn more about being a host. I should probably look into some classes at the local junior college on either broadcasting or hosting because I'm not as far as I'd like to be, but part of that is probably a symptom of me being both me and a former fighter pilot is we expect to be good at everything we do. And that's not always the case. I I know that that one of the the tactics that I learned and uh, either picked up or uh, I do listen to other podcasts specifically because I want to learn how they host them, where I respect the host. uh, There's a couple of radio shows that I listen to that for that reason as well. The biggest takeaway that I adapted to my own style was I always want to be the person blazing the path for the guest to shine. That's Mm -hmm. the point. The point is that the guest has this amazing story or connection or education, and the listeners really need to know this. And uh, and I don't have it either. 
but I can clear the way for them. <laughs> and that that's you actually play both sides of the fence because you got to blaze the trail and often lead the discussion uh, because people are turning in the show because uh, they want to hear you and Sunshine specifically. I mean, they're buying you. <laughs> right. Yeah. So That's a scary thought, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> what parts of this process do you enjoy the most? And can I supplement that? I've asked you a few times since you retired, uh, do, do you miss the flying? Do you miss components of the daily purpose? And, and you've You've been honest. Uh, there are parts that you have said you missed. There's parts you said you're okay with. But does this fill some of that void? It does scratch the edge a little. Of course, it's not actually going out and flying. But it's keeping in contact with old friends, making new ones. Gosh, the guy who came on and did the Flight School episode, BS, he lives two streets over. I had no idea. And he happened to listen to the show. He's a Marine major. Now he's an Air Force major in the reserves out in, I think, Boston area. But he listened and reached out like I did to you. And I was just so blown away by that. But it was great to hear what's going on in his squadron and what issues they have, which reminded me of the things I don't miss. <laughs> but I, I enjoy being part of the bigger world of military aviation, specifically naval aviation, and having people not respect me, because that makes it sound like I never had anyone's respect before. But suddenly, they're like, oh, that's Jello. He's helping tell our story, or he's the guy doing the interviews, or he's the podcast guy. And it's almost like having a little more than I had before. And that's a good feeling, because I like to make a difference. And, the, and again, the air boss had mentioned at the end of our interview that he, he thanked me for helping tell naval aviation story. And that was mm -hmm. as big an honor as I've received on this. And so I really appreciated that. But do you want to know what other parts of the process I enjoy? Yeah, totally. I really enjoy the interviews. And I never thought of myself as that much of a people person, to be honest. I like to fly fish, which is very solitary. <laughs> um, but I do enjoy the one-on-one -on -one interactions with people. I enjoy the bantering. And it's a good subject to talk about. So it's not like with the exception of the Wingman Foundation, which by its nature was a little more somber of our topics because we were frankly talking about tragedy and death and mishaps. But other than that, they're always upbeat topics. And so it's always fun. And there's always high energy and we're sharing something and people can learn and be entertained. And that's what it's all about. So for me, that gives me energy. I, I really enjoy that. Interestingly, Rob, I actually enjoy the editing part of it too. And that's because I'm a bit of a detailed person. I like my hangers in my closet to be all the right spacing and the same color hangers. And it's probably OCD, I realize. But I, I like editing, but I like it also for another reason that you talked about earlier that I did not have a chance to respond to. But that is, I love making the guest look as good as possible. And so while some people have said, just let it play the whole interview, that is, I say, no, if someone repeats themselves a couple times, which we all do, we say the same thing leading into a sentence a couple times, or we um and ah, or we lip smack, I like to remove all that because I feel like I'm whittling away a little bit of the ugliness, or maybe I'm putting makeup on, and I do not imply that to mean any of my guests need makeup or are ugly. But the point being is, I like to take something like an old car, frankly, and do a restoration. I like to make it as beautiful and effective as possible. And so I do enjoy the editing part. And then what I really enjoy, and I didn't think I would enjoy this until it happened, similar to in my airline capacity, I really enjoy saying hello and goodbye to the passengers. I really enjoy interacting with the listeners. I've had people from 13 years old to 80 years old write me and say they like the show for different reasons. I've had spouses write and say they understand better. I've had engineers like you, Rob, write and say, I work in an aviation unit, and now I understand more what the pilots are saying because they don't take the time to do it. So I really have enjoyed people that are saying what you're doing is making a difference and it's helping me understand, or I'm just enjoying listening to something I used to do. I've, I have pilots that flew in Vietnam that listen, and for them, it's just a way to stay connected. And that part really warms my heart. Uh, all good things. Valid validation <laughs> was the word I was looking validation. for. Validation. <laughs> and I can see that. Uh, I've, I totally disagree that you're not a people person. You're a huge people person. Uh, I've, I have, I have seen you entertain maybe 50 people at a time. 
<laughs> all in the same room and, and giving each one that, that personal touch. Uh, and uh, you kept my youngest daughter entertained for about three hours. And God bless you for that, because uh, she is a <laughs> hundred mile an hour return speaker. Uh, t- I'm, I'm glad that you have so many parts that you enjoy and that is rewarding to you. If you've always dreamt of a career in aviation while keeping your feet on the ground, then Air Corps Aviation is the place for you. Since 2008, Air Corps Aviation has been at the forefront of modernizing the airworthiness of legacy aircraft dating back to World War II. Their dedicated team specializes in numerous aerospace disciplines, including manufacturing, fabrication, restoration, and support, all while incorporating state-of-the-art technology. In 2024, Air Corps Aviation is expanding its team with job openings in engineering and computer-aided design, quality, fabrication, and restoration. Live where others vacation in northern Minnesota while enjoying paid time off, health insurance and savings accounts, retirement plans, life insurance, and best of all, most Fridays off. If you're ready to be a part of a team fulfilling dreams through the preservation of historical aircraft, visit aircoreaviation.com careers and take your first step towards an exciting career in aviation. That's aircoreaviation.com careers. Visit today. What's the flip side? What is not very fun about this? And, and there's always parts that aren't fun. There have been a couple. Um, early in the process, I ended up with a super fan, as I would call it, who wrote me. I wrote back, wrote again. I wrote back, trying to be cordial and polite. And it divulged into this really strange relationship online And at one point I said, hey, look, I can't keep this going. I'll write as often as I can, but please understand. And it turned kind of negative. Maybe you're not cut out for social media. And and then something happened and I was forced to create a block. And then the person reached out to all my listeners and it just, it got ugly. And thankfully Mm -hmm. that's been just one case. And so I realized there are people out there who have different needs and requirements and they expect different things. And thankfully that has not happened too much more. Although there was then a friend of that person who wrote and said, I think you're doing this wrong and you should say you're sorry. And and so that part I haven't enjoyed. And thankfully that is the 0.0001%. And I think I've learned my lesson there. Otherwise, just the uncertainty of what is coming next and the attempt to corral people who are difficult to you know, align our schedules. And even you and I have had that at times, trying to just get things done because we're both busy guys. Sure. And what I've really also not liked is when something happens, especially if it's my fault. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know if people know this. I, I'm, I'm going to give a uh, – <laughs> the fighter pilots in space episode – Rob, I somehow deleted my entire track of my side of the conversation with Sunshine. Thankfully, it was that one and not Scott Tingle's side of it because that would have been impossible to recreate. But I hate when I do something dumb and it's my fault and then it cost me a lot more work. I literally had to play Sunshine's part of our conversation. And then in Atlanta, I had to pretend that I was having that conversation with him and then splice it back in. And I found him a terrible actor. And thankfully, nobody really seemed to notice, although I admitted to my patrons that, oh, gosh, now I've got some extra work to do. So you won't get the episode as early as I'd like. And nobody really said, oh, it was terrible. You know, everyone was very forgiving. But I hate doing something stupid. And that's probably the biggest thing. And thankfully, now I've got a system for backing up interviews, backing up other bits that I might need. But I don't like doing stupid stuff. Have you done the old bit where um, you line up this incredible, amazing guest that you're lucky to get and you know you can't get again, do the whole thing, look down, and you never hit record? I've done that twice. I've not, I've not had it where I didn't hit record, thank God. I did have some interviews, for example, at Tailhook back in September, where for whatever reason, and this was the beginning of a whole nother discussion where my audio problems started happening, but there were some parts of those interviews with certain people that night that were just so garbled, they were unusable, and mm-hmm. that was really a bummer. And, and that is probably, if we talk about 
excitement and disappointment or anything along those lines. I'll just get ahead and say my biggest disappointment is at some point this past year, I upgraded my laptop to a new Mac. And because it doesn't have the USB openings, it just has those smaller little openings. I've had to use adapters. I don't know if that's what it is or not, but somewhere along the way, I've started having audio glitches and I don't know what's doing it. And it's really frustrating because like you said, you can't go back and recreate it. Mm. And especially if it's just a small part, then I end up playing it. Then the show doesn't sound very professional. And I don't know what to do about that. I would love to have someday an actual studio. But then one of the reasons I started this show, which is to have something to do on layovers instead of watching TV, I wouldn't be able to do that unless I recorded it in the studio and then took it with me. I don't know. But the audio glitches have been a big frustration as well. I I may be able to help with some of that. And there's a yin and a yang with this. The, the the more standalone equipment away from a computer, the easier things like that get to fix. But sometimes it's nice to have the computer. I mean, we're on a computer right now uh, right. doing this back and forth. So that there's some ways around this. Um, I don't know if it's disappointing in regards to the, your, your discussion about the social media interaction, but when you're putting yourself out there for the world, there is inevitable internet judgment, good or bad, of who you are and I'm curious that what your take was uh, when you got your first kind of critical or negative comment online. I mean, maybe you didn't have very many, but I did have a few. And I can tell you that deep down, there were a few of them that I agreed with. Now, I didn't like how they were delivered. Uh, they, they, they were done in a mean way, but right. I had to admit that they were kind of right. How have you dealt with that? You know, it's funny you asked that, Rob, because this came up with my business development team member recently. And he said, until you begin getting those, you really haven't made it. And that was an interesting thing because up until that point, everything has been very positive. And in fact, I think I'm still five out of five stars on Facebook and a few others. I think all the videos seem to have thumbs up. And I don't know, I'm not going to pretend that I'm just that good. I think I just am giving something that people like And if they like it, they'll tune in. If they don't, they just don't tune in. It's not like I'm talking about something contentious and that if they disagree with it, like politics or religion, then they'll give me a thumbs down and tell me I'm stupid. So a very long road to a small house to say, I haven't really received too much yet. I've had some interesting comments on, say, pictures on Instagram or questions on shows and various other things, but nobody has flat out come along yet and said, Jello, you suck. And mm-hmm. maybe maybe until I get that, I haven't quite made it yet. I don't know. So I may have to punt on that question because I've yet to receive really any fierce criticism other than my own. And I have always been my own biggest critic. And that is, again, something I'm working on. But for the most part, people have not come along yet and really given me too much grief other than the other day I posted a picture of an F-15 and some guy on Instagram said, oh, that's a piece of crap compared to the F-22. And okay, whatever. I mean, if it makes you feel good, fine. And so I, I don't think I've yet received the criticism I probably need from the folks who know well enough to say, hey, this is where you suck and you need to fix it. And so I don't think I can truthfully answer that unless you have something to offer, Rob. Well, I can tell you that having done this for a few years now, the ability to distinguish good but poorly delivered criticism from just pure internet beer drinking haters, you get you get pretty good at it, and uh, you can you can filter it pretty quickly. It doesn't even hurt for the most part, right. and uh, you will get it. You're going to get far more positive than negative. It's just human nature, though, that a negative comment stings. And has far more impact on you than a positive one. I, I think that what's the old ratio? It's, it takes 20 positives to equal one negative uh, in the human psyche, something like that. But right. well, okay, you've had all these episodes now. You have a favorite? Are you most proud of one? Oh gosh, that's like asking you, Rob, if you have a favorite kid, right? I mean, I'm guessing. Of course, I do. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do, but we can't admit it for the fear right. of the other kids finding out. That's right. They just got to guess. I, that's right. <laughs> There are several shows that I have enjoyed. Either the interview just went more smoothly than some others or the responses to them. And I shouldn't like the ones that have the better responses, I guess. But there there are several, and I won't just 
point out one, but I would say the one I did with Grand on Top Gun versus Top Gun, I really enjoyed because I know people love the idea of the school and the movie mm. and to compare the two was fun. And Grand is a good friend of mine. And so it was fun to hang out and, and discuss that one. And another would be the Airboss, as I've mentioned, because it was a strategic level discussion, which I had not had before. And it really stretched me to think about what kinds of questions am I asking and how am I asking them so that I can step up my game someday in case I ever get someone even bigger than him. And then the one I did with Mongo Mongillo on the Desert Storm mid-kill, I enjoyed that one because we did something we'd never done before, and that is we played audio that a lot of people had heard, especially people who follow these circles, but they had never really understood it all, myself included. And I don't know what gave me the idea to do that, but I'm glad he had the time to pick it apart. And people really responded to that and Mm -hmm. said, I love this. Thank you. And a simple thank you means so much because when you are spending roughly 10 to 1 on these shows in time, it's just, it's nice to be validated and appreciated. And so that's what keeps it going. So those were some of them, but all of the shows I've enjoyed doing. And I'd like to say that if I didn't think it was worth the listener's time, I wouldn't put it out. But that being said, I know a lot of times I had a deadline and I would get to a point where I said, all right, I guess this is going to have to be good enough. And Done. Off it goes. <laughs> right, right. Even with audio glitches and the listeners have been very forgiving. And so I, I don't think I can pinpoint just to one. There, there, there are several that uh, I have truly enjoyed. Um, my other high, I'm, I'm a serious movie buff and I have loved when you and Sunshine have gone through different movies or TV shows or cartoons, even in the case of planes, I think, right. to say, uh, you know, hot or not, not hot or not, uh, fake or true, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to really evaluate uh, this is good, this is fake, this is just totally garbage, but it's very entertaining. Uh, right. That's been really, really fun. Um, before I forget, you mentioned Top Gun. Top Gun 2 is filming. Is that filming where you are right now? And aren't there current and former voices on the show that will be in that movie? They're not filming here right this moment. The last time they were filming here, I was out sleuthing around with my camera to the disdain of the PAO, as some of my listeners might have seen. As I understand it, I don't know if this is true or not. Tom Cruise apparently wants to do some of his own stunts or his own flying or something. And so they're postponing more filming until then. I don't know. I know that Sunshine and Vern were involved. I know a lot of people locally were invited to go be extras on the base. Curiously, I was not. I'm not sure why, but that's okay. <laughs> Maybe I'm just not in the right circles anymore. But Ferg from episode two and Chaser Keithley from Tailhook, both friends of mine, were involved with it. And so I kind of hope they'd let me know if there was something I could do, but evidently not. But not I don't yet. know. The short not answer yet. is I don't, I don't know what they're doing. And that's the nature of it. But uh, at some point when it comes out, I hope it's good. When it does, I, I'd, I'll love to hear your review uh, on your own show of it. I, I want to say maybe in one of your shows or just in a phone call we had, you mentioned, um, oh, I think they reenact the scene where he's driving the motorcycle past the jet taking off or the jet passes him while taking off. And you thought it was right. a couple of your buddies in there or something like that. It, oh, it was. It absolutely was. It was Vern in the front seat from episode three and sunshine in the back seat. And awesome. That was the day I was out there. I could see the motorcycle going, but I wasn't near close enough to get anything with a little cell phone. And so, yep, they were doing it. And I took, I, have, I left the base and went to the beach and took some pictures. I've posted some of those on Instagram, which was totally legit at that point. And yeah, that's what they were involved with. And now that Sunshine's retired, I doubt he's going to be involved with anything more. I can't speak for Vern. I haven't spoken with him lately, so I don't know what he's doing. But they need the Navy support. And in this case, they came down here. And yeah, we'll see how it turns out. All right. But before you go on, let me talk about the movie review thing. We haven't done one of those in a long time. And I appreciate your feedback because we have tried so many different initiatives this year. I didn't know if that one stuck or not. So you saying so, thank you, will reignite our interest in doing that. And the alliteration, by the way, was right, wrong, righteous, and ridiculous. There we go. And so we will... (laughs) Not hot or not. (laughs) (laughs) Depends on the movie, I guess. But anyway, I will see if Sunshine and I can do that in the future. And we want to do it differently. It's not just fun talking about it. We want to kind of do it... I've used the example John Gruden before he went back to coaching on top 
timeouts when they didn't go to commercial, you'd see him standing in front of a TV and he would point at something and color it or circle it or then advance the play. And we'd like to do something like that. We just don't have the technology yet where we can say, oh, look, here he does this and this is why this is right or wrong. And so we might do that. And the other thing is I've been doing some behind the scenes videos recently because Mac recently allowed screen captures for video. Mm -hmm. So it has become much easier to do in my living room. And I've thought about doing a few of the scenes that are available for some of these movies and doing my own version of it because it's sunshine's 20 minutes away. So it takes us some effort to get together, but we can do it. And so if you like it and you speak for the listener, then we'll look to keep that going. Uh, yes. Very, very akin to the dissection of the, of your own video of you flying the, that your son put together for your retirement ceremony. That Right. Uh, that was the first one we did behind loved, the scenes. Thought that was terrific. Okay. Least favorite podcast episode you've done to date. Well, again, What's like the my, dud? <laughs> like my least favorite son, I can't say so because I'm still friends with all my guests and I, I don't really have one. I will say that there have been guests that were maybe a little less prepared than I would have wished or went a little off on tangents or were a little long winded perhaps. But all that can be edited. That's one nice thing about a recorded show, not a live show. And so I'm not prepared to say, oh, episode 50 was my least favorite. I, it, some, some just seemed more natural and resonated better than others. I will tell you that there have been a couple that I've done where I felt a little uneasy as if maybe I've betrayed people. And if you would assuage me on this, uh, that'd be great, even if you have to make it up. But the, 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 the Midway and the Wingman Foundation both arguably stood to gain from my podcast. And I always felt a little, not uneasy or dirty, but I just wanted to make sure that people understood that, look, these are legitimate museums and organizations that are doing good work and helping like I'm trying to spread the word of naval aviation. But I suppose someone could come along and say, hey, Jello, you're just trying to get more guests to Midway, or you're trying to get more donors to the Wingman Foundation. And by the way, for the second one, I'll absolutely admit that they're doing good work. And if people don't believe that after listening to the episode, well, then I'm sorry. But for the other, I just, I don't know. It's not to say I'll never do sponsorships or advertising on the show, but I guess there's a part of me that was a little uneasy that people might think I somehow, I don't know, pulled a fast one with those two episodes. Do you feel that way or should I, should I feel that way? Mm -mm, you shouldn't. I, here's what I can tell you. The type of content you put out can go a number of different ways. It can just be entertainment. It can be informational. It can be inspirational. But dollars do make things go round. I mean, they just frankly do. And if there's at some point a financial exchange between uh, you and the guests or, or, or you and the organizations, that's fine. That was not the example in either of the ones that you gave. That, right. that was a straight up altruistic, I want to promote something good <laughs> type move. So if people actually complained about that, I, 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 Nobody I feel bad for that. Just, uh, I, uh, I wouldn't worry complained. about it. It was yeah. just me. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll dispose of that concern. Yes. You could file that. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, um, I guess a good place to close is what you want to do now. 2019 is just around the corner. And let me ask you this one. Have you had the thought of, I think I'm done yet? I think I'd like to quit. I sure would like my time back. Has that even crossed your mind? Not crossed my mind as something actionable, but crossed my mind in so much as anything crosses your mind ever. Mm -hmm. And you've, you get it out of your mind as quickly as you can, because it's like, where did that come from? So yes, and no. Yes, because at some point, Rob, I'm 48 years old. This is a young man's activity, and I don't want to be doing it when I'm gray. I will want to hand, if I can, the reins off to a young man who leaves the service and wants to continue giving back and sharing this with someone. And maybe someday I'll find that person, but that's a couple of years from now. And there are mornings when I wake up when I'm not quite fully awake yet, where I just have this sudden feeling like, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. People are counting on me and there's the patrons and all these other things. And usually by the time I'm actually fully awake and I'm letting the dog out to go do his business, I think, what was that all about? It's fun. I enjoy it. I, I like the interaction. I, I like doing the interviews. So it's just this weird thing in my subconscious that is a sense of, I don't want to say obligation, but I don't feel like I can just do whatever I want now. And you can, again, tell me if this is right or wrong. I feel like 
even though people are giving because they want to give, I feel like I've established a standard. And if people signed up, let's say on Patreon to help me, and suddenly I go from three episodes a month to one, well, then I didn't really serve them the way they thought. And maybe that's not normal. I don't know. But for right now, I'm going to keep doing it as much as I can with three a month. And I hope that people will continue to enjoy it. And if they don't, they can vote with their feet uh, or they can vote with their wallet if they like it. Um, But there's more I want to talk about, but I'll pause there in case you want to respond to any of that. No, all right reasons. Uh, I have thought about quitting every single thing I've ever done. (laughs) And usually in a moment of frustration, And every now and then it was for a right reason, like, hey, I think I've concluded the chapter of this. But the things that have stuck are the things that meant the most to me, too. And I think this show does mean a lot to you right now at this point. And whether that continues for another year or another five or ten, that's your call to make. And as long as you're making content that you want to hear, too, you should Mm -hmm. still do it. And when the day comes that you don't want to then you should stop. You should definitely stop. You shouldn't just do it because you're obligated to. Uh, right. That You don't have to do that in this business. You, you can turn it off when, when it's the right time. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, so in 2019, Rob, I'm really excited to go forward with some initiatives that we're working on. One is that we are always exploring dance floor, as we discussed before, like with the movie reviews. And so one thing we're looking to do is Sunshine, with his technical background, is looking at possibly doing some audio video episodes where we talk about aerodynamics and why airplanes look the way they do with blended wings or canted vertical stabilizers or slanted pylons in the case of the Super Hornet. So that is something we're looking to do. And some more Facebook Live, of course, and maybe the movie reviews. We're also looking to start an aircraft series, as I'm calling it, where an episode, let's say number 37, could be, say, on the F-18, and then 38 could be on the A-4, and 39 could be on the SR-71. And for each of those, my plan is to ask the same five or six or seven questions. And that way, the listener has a way to know what's coming next and compare aircraft. And then along with that, on our website, we're looking to start what we call the hangar, which is a tab on the website where you can go click on an F-18 and you can see its range and speed and payload and how much fuel and its highest altitude and whatever else might be interesting about it, what engines and flight controls and different things. So again, more informational, educating entertainment for people will be good. And of course, there's so many different aircraft that could almost go the whole year if we really wanted to. Uh, we're looking to do some more with the DCS community because they really seem to enjoy what we're doing, almost adding them like a third target audience in a sense. And so we'll see where that goes. And we also are looking to possibly, as I said before, invite maybe some sponsors or advertising onto the show. And the one last thing is... We are looking to move just for fun, no other good reason than just why not, to move our episode distribution from the 1st, 11th, and 21st of every month to the 2nd, 12th, and 22nd of every month. Hmm. Yeah, why not? I think that's all cool. The the DCS one, uh, listening to you go through a simulator of something, having experienced the real thing, was fascinating. To me, thank you. Uh, so I, I would really enjoy seeing a few further developments of that for others out there who who like me or are probably the only time we're ever going to get in a jet is uh, in a virtual one, <laughs> and, <Right. laughs> and that would be pretty neat. I did hope to make you proud. Uh, I did fly a, a DCS World Simulator at the Oshkosh right. Air Show, and the exercise that they had me do was try to land on a carrier, and I uh, did it. All now, right. Shortly after landing, it exploded. The, the plane I was in, um, and technically it happened the instant I landed. <laughs> were your wheels down, Rob? <laughs> From what I uh, remember, they were. Uh, <laughs> but here's why I'm so proud. 
the three dudes that went before me, they all hit the back of the ship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I at least, the strike. yeah, I at least didn't die until I hit the ramp, but I, I don't know which would have killed more people in real life, but okay. I was really aiming hard. <laughs> okay. Well, yes, you have to be on the right angle of attack. I'll have to work on you on that one, mister. I'll take all the training I can get. Uh, that, that, and that is uh, maybe a nice way to end this out. I, I often set a, a number of probably over my head achievable goals, but that I hope to come true. And I've shared this with you. One of those is to fly in a jet with you someday. And and, and I do have a private pilot's license, uh, but... I've never flown anything fast or even remotely dangerous, um, and, I w- <laughs> and, and I would love to do that with you someday, just for the education and experience of having done it. Does a uh, Boeing 757 count? Oh, uh, it would, but I would like to do something that has a canopy. Um, oh, there you go. Yeah, there, there's a way. There's got to be a way. Someday we'll just have to buy something and fly it together. That would be fun. That sounds good. Okay. I like that. All right. Uh, is there anything else we should cover uh, for your listeners about your year in repose and the year to come? Yes, there is one more thing I would like to cover. I don't know how I missed it earlier. And that is one of the greatest unexpected surprises or pleasantries or whatever you want to call it about launching a podcast that people enjoy are the people who come along and not just write you and say, hey, I really like this, but write you and say, here's how I think I could help you. Here's what I noticed is a little bit not perfect. Let's get you perfect. And Rob, I've been overwhelmed by that. The first person to come along was Sunshine. And he was a, obviously, stalwart helper from the beginning. He was episode one, and then I bounced ideas off of him. And then finally, in the summertime, I asked formally if he wanted to be a co-host on the show. And he said yes, and we're living happily ever after. And that's been great because he has perspectives on things that I don't. And he has a more technical background where I might have a slightly more tactical background. So I think we make a pretty good combination if I do say so myself. Mm-hmm. But then I also met Eric Larson, who is what I call our podcast photographer. And this guy is like a unicorn because he loves taking pictures, but he doesn't post them anywhere. He's not on Instagram. He's not <laughs> on the web. And, and so I... I figuratively grabbed him by the scruff and I said, you now belong to me. You are not me, but the podcast. You are our podcast photographer. And he loved to drive up to Star Wars Canyon and take pictures. He loves to help put them together for a monthly social media background and everything. So he's been fantastic. And then along came Yannick Krauss from Australia. And he wrote me one day, Rob, and said, your website sucks. Now, he was a little more diplomatic. but he's <laughs> The gist of it said, was right, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. This is not I good. Knew that. I knew that. I built it on a shoestring budget with a local guy I could find here in San Diego. And he said, not just your website sucks, but look, this is the one I built for you, Rob. I was overwhelmed. Hmm. I said, this is awesome, but I want to keep my logo. He proposed a new logo and a few other things, which was fine. I said, I want to keep my logo because people have started to identify it. And he worked with me. He has spent countless hours not only doing our website, but improvements to it. He does a lot of our artwork. He is awesome. And he's been very agreeable. But he's also been able to tell me, no, I think your idea is stupid because it doesn't match the theme or something else. So he's been wonderful. Then we had a musician show up from Spain who said, hey, I like your show. Do you ever need music? I said, sure. So now we have Jaime Lopez making us our own music. And then the last one is a gentleman also by the name Rob, Rob Grady from Austin, Texas. He loves starting and nurturing businesses, but he also loves military aviation, Rob. So he's a little bit like you. So he came along and said, hey, have you thought about turning this into a business? I thought, well, what do you mean? And so he's been working with me ever since, and we've been developing some of the initiatives that we're following. And on my way to Boston recently, I stopped in Austin without the B and spent a few (laughs) hours with him. And we came up with a lot of great ideas on how we can continue to serve people in this year going forward. And I'm just so thrilled for that because he's actually one of my contributors on Patreon. So how am I supposed to you know, give yeah. him some of the bounty from it when he's the one paying in? And I'm just I'm so overwhelmed by the generosity of people who just come along and say, we believe in what you're doing. How can we help? And so to the listener who's thinking about starting something, as we intimated earlier, if you want to stretch yourself or learn something or even just become part of something big, start something like a podcast because you never know the effect it will have. And here I am now with a team of about six and 
all of them are just happy to do it because they enjoy the content. They enjoy the show. And I've promised them all that someday if we go big, well, I won't forget them. But for right now, they're just happy to do it out of their own interest and love for the show. And so that has to be acknowledged because without them, the show wouldn't be near as good as it is. And I'm just so thankful for that after this first year. And I look forward to including them as much as they want to be at some point, if they want to check out and say, I've done what I want to do. And I'll say, thank you very much. But if they stick around, I really look forward, Rob, to their continued help in 2019 and beyond. I definitely think you're on the right track. If people show up and, uh, want to help push, not just to continue to consume and, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but they're true believers because they, they know what you're doing is important and cool and fun and they just want to be a part of it. And they can do so in a meaningful way, in ways that you can't. Uh, so right. uh, you, you're, you're building something neat. I, I have a very similar story to the five or six of mine that all make the enterprise go around who uh, don't hardly ever get the credit and it's important to always publicly as often as possible acknowledge them. So it was really nice that you ended the show that way. So, well, um, I can tell you as, as a listener contributor, this is what I hoped it would be. And I just want more of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, Rob, thank you for that. Thank you for taking me on this little journey. Actually, I didn't know what this would turn out to be, but this has been therapeutic, enlightening and enjoyable because there's different things that we covered today that I don't just feel, I don't know, right about just all of a sudden one day saying to people just out of the blue, but you have pulled some information out of me that I really wanted to share with the listeners. And so thank you for your time. And thank you also for your mentorship for these last several years now. Sure. And to be fair to you, in case there's other automobiles, aficionados out there, where can people find out more about Rob Kibbe and his shows? Oh, yes. Happy. The uh, the reverse plug. You got it. If people are into to cars, I produce several different shows. But the one that they should probably start with is called The Muscle Car Place. And that is available at themusclecarplace.com along with all of our other shows. Like your shows, uh, they're also available in the online distribution platforms of iTunes. Uh, we use Google Play and Stitcher and iHeartRadio for a few others. There's another one that I've, I've really enjoyed doing for the last number of years called The Kibby and Finnegan Show that I have done uh, with my, my friend Mike Finnegan. If people are into the cars, they've probably seen the YouTube show Roadkill. And he has been my co-host up through this year. And then next year, uh, we've actually had to do a little role reversal and bring a new voice in that has always okay. been a contributor on that show just for time allocation. But that show is a deep dive on TV car movies. So I, when you do your TV uh, and movie uh, airplane-specific content, that's why I like that so much because uh -huh. I do that on the car side. Our favorite's The Dukes of Hazard. Oh, uh, yeah. So that, that may I love exclude that show yeah, <laughs> some people here. I don't know, but I really do enjoy that. But I'll leave this. When we were kicking around the ideas of your show early on, the thing that kept coming to mind for me, for you, was you're just the guy that, that helps me think, you know, you know what it would have been like to be a fighter pilot and be the coolest in the room and you just always wonder if it would be the most awesome thing ever? Well, it was. <laughs> and here's the stories. Of, <laughs> that's what I think of when I think of you and, and, uh, and Sunshine and this show and, and everything around it. So uh, tip of the cap, and I'll look for more in 2019 as well. Okay? Well, thanks very much, Rob. I appreciate that. And thank you for this. Thank you for your encouragement. And I've really enjoyed our friendship. Say hello to your family. And unless you got any parting shots, I think we can wrap it up. Nope. Say hi to your family, too. I will catch you later. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Rob. Let's get out of here. Thanks to our title sponsor, National University. National University is committed to supporting veterans, active duty personnel, and military families through flexible online courses and master's and doctoral programs in high-demand fields, providing excellent career advancement opportunity. National University is a yellow ribbon school that proudly accepts the post-9-11 GI Bill and goes the extra mile by offering additional assistance to cover expenses that may not be covered by the GI Bill. To learn more, visit nu.edu forward slash veteran.